Kawasaki have a fine history at the Isle of Man TT with 34 wins, 48 second places and 55 third places. One man who knows what it feels like to be at the top of that TT podium is Ian Locke. And Ian joins me now over in Northern Ireland still, Ian? That's right, Northern Ireland. Yep, yeah, 19 years I've been living here now. So, yeah, enjoying it. It's a great place to live and people are great. So that, that makes the place, doesn't it? So originally from Wales, as everyone or might or may not know, and is it Roos? Is that how you pronounce it, or am I pronouncing that wrong? <laughs> yeah, well, it was actually um, uh, it was actually Barry, really. Well, Barry, where most people know Gavin and Stacey. Oh right, Barry Island. Okay. Right. Yeah, well, that's where I went to school, but I actually lived about eight miles outside there, and then eventually then went to Roos later on in my uh, in my years. So uh, when I was about twenty-eight or something like that, you know, when I eventually left home. <laughs> eventually left home and why motorbike racing why that and why not something else brick lane like john mcginnis you know or plastering or something do you have a trade what is it well um, i'm actually a tractor mechanic um, oh, right. okay and i then i sort of went and worked for me left on the bill inside so my dad and my brother and um racing just came around i didn't even know where the other man was to be honest i was only interested in short circuits you know um as most young guys are they wanted to be at my in that era wanted to be barry sheen of course because uh, <laughs> he thought about everything <laughs> yes. you know what I mean? but um but yeah um so yeah so it, it, it uh roost is uh where i sort of spent a lot of time yeah and the manx grand prix obviously there in 1983 your first time on the isle of manor proposed not like today when all these newcomer weekends you just went turned up there's your orange bib there's the morning practice off you go tell us about it yeah, it was strange because, um, like I say, uh, I, I didn't even know where the other man was, to be honest. I'll be honest. Too. And it was only Ray Cowles was helping me on the short circuits. And Ray was a great sponsor and sponsored a lot of people over the years, you know. And um, he started to help me and he kept on about the Max Grand Prix. And I didn't know what, what that was. I was only interested in short circuits. And um, so then he, um, we eventually went to the Southern 100. He said, this will be a good opening for, <laughs> you know, to uh, to try the friendly races, as they commonly know. And, um, yeah, it was brilliant. You know, I really loved the 700. Um, I think I was second best newcomer. I think I finished 10th in 350 or the first year. So it, it was it was quite a good uh, good start. And while we were on the island, um, Ray took me around the, the TT course. I think I did, <laughs> I think it was one lap. I can't remember if it was one or two in, in the van. And that was it. And then when I came back to the Manx, um, he said, oh, what do you think of it? I said, well, that sounds all right. So when I came back from the Manx, I, you know, around about, I think I might have done eight or nine laps in the van. And that was it. It was off down Bray Hill. You know, there was no newcomers thing then those days, you know. And um, of course, no, no real films to watch either. You couldn't watch anything in those days. There was no internet, of course. And... Um, uh, there might have been the V4 victory, was it called, with Joey? And oh, Joey, with that camera strap thing he had on his back and that big thing on the chest. Oh, gosh, imagine carrying that round. Yeah, I know. I, I think that came out. I think he did it in 82, and I think it came out in 83. So I might have, I can't remember. I might have been able to watch that. But, um, of course, we had videos then. So uh, it was, <laughs> but yeah, it was certainly different in those days. Yeah, if anybody watching in colour, video's the thing you put in a machine, you press play and it plays stuff back. Anyway, so that race, I mean, talk about that race. I mean, you, you were in third, but I don't need to tell the people. T t tell us about your memories of that race, you know, because this is what this is all about, mountain memories. And the two people you're up against, just, well, a little bit special, really. 
Yeah, um, it was strange because um, Ray had um, helped Gary Hislop the year before, and he they'd won the newcomers, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. won the newcomers three fifty the year before, and then we were staying with Roger Sutcliffe in the Alaman, and uh, which Ray always did, and because it was my first time there, and um, Steve, uh, sorry, uh, Tom Oliver, and um, um, I can't think. Was it? Is it? No, no, not Tom Oliver. What's his first name? Um, anyway, you can edit this out. <laughs> yeah, of course, we can. Yeah, go on. Um, Steve's sponsor, anyway, um, were good friends, and he had helped uh, Gary the year before. And of course, Gary unfortunately was killed at Silith just after he won the Manx for Ray in '82. So in '83, then Steve, I just decided he was going to do the Manx. So um they were they were sponsoring him and um and then we became we became quite good friends um because we spent you know a bit of time and he told me about gary and everything so yeah it was strange and then it turns out that we actually started on the road together um do you remember any of it do you remember any of it yeah well i it's only recently i've actually remembered that we did start on the road together so it's all a bit vague because it's a long time ago obviously 1983 you know um but um, yeah, I remember doing practice. I did the first lap of practice. I think I was 90 mile an hour was my first lap. 90 or 92 mile an hour, which wasn't bad. When yeah. you think the record, I think it was 105 or 106 or something like that. Um, so not too bad. And um, uh, and a 350, a TZ 350, you know, were quite hard to ride and didn't handle that great, you know. Um, but um, yeah, um, I uh, the race. Uh, I can't really remember so much. I remember Steve going off like a scalded cat and I thought, whoa, no, no, steady on, you know? <laughs> and I just thought I did my own thing, you know? I just in the back of my mind, um, I did do my own thing. But as it turned out, I actually lapped a little bit quicker than Steve. On my last lap, I did 103.2 or something, and he did 102.8 or something like that. But Robert did 100, Robert Dunlop did 105, um, which was quick, you know? But I think Norman Brown had the lap record. I think it was 108 mile an hour, which was unbelievably quick. Yeah, it is, isn't it? An old TZ. I'm just looking at the the, the race. Robert Dunlop won, and he was only one, I don't have my maths, 2.6 seconds ahead of Steve Hislop, and he was in turn uh, 35 seconds ahead of you. So that's not a bad top three, really. And then mm. I'm looking down the list a little bit further, and I go down to where there was a name on here I spotted before, and um, oh, I'm see, as bad as you, when you get to a certain age, you forget certain things. Ian Newton. Now, I'm not sure if that's Ian Newton who went on to become a rather good 250 British Championship rider or not. So yeah, that it is. Yeah. It was Ian Newton. Okay. Yeah. That's not a bad field, is it? No. And there was Jim McDonnell. Yes, Jim McDonnell was, well, yeah, in fifth position behind Keith Nichols in that one too. Yeah, that's right. Keith Nichols in another one, yeah. God, blimey. Hey, 1983. Let's move forward a little bit to, to moving up to the TT. But it was the production TT you first went in. Do you remember that? That was on a Kawasaki. Now, was this a 250? Was this a KR1, was it? Or what was it? No, it was a Suzuki. I, I actually took over. Um, okay. I took over uh, Steve Tonkin's ride in 1984 um, at the TT in 1984. That's right. And um, I was riding a matchless mm. for Ray Cowles in the classic. It was called the historic TT, though, in those days. Um, and it was a two-lapper. And you finished second. I finished second behind Dave Roper, that's right. Wow, Dave uh, Roper. Yeah, with his big beard. 
And He's uh, massive beard. Looks like Hagrid from Harry Potter, doesn't he? Going he back did. to that production race, seventh yep. position it was on the Suzuki, but your first Kawasaki involvement was, uh, just looking back here, in 1986, as we mentioned there, 16th on that Kawasaki. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, my brother, um, we were working together then on the building sites, and uh, my brother bought a GPZ 600, and uh, just of a, well, part of the idea was him to enjoy himself on the road and mm -hmm. the other idea was that um i'd ride it at the tt so i did very little practice on it which i sort of concentrated on some of the other bikes which weren't um quite so competitive i guess and um i ended up not giving the kawasaki so much time as i should have and i was i was actually lying eighth the last lap um but i actually ended up 16th because i started to run out of fuel when i came out of the oh. craig so I managed to coax it home by swigging it back and forth and whatever you do, you know, <clears throat> and kept it going and we finished 16th, but I lost a lot of time. But um, yeah, uh, so that was the first time on the Kawasaki, yeah. And then you move forward a little bit, I mean, lots of wins and various other manufacturers. And then back to Kawasaki, big time with a bit of help in the British Superbike Championship I mean, and yourself. I mean, I, I'll go back to a few years, not so long ago now, when you're riding that Kawasaki, the, the Ulster Grand Prix and that Superstock race. And you raised a few eyebrows with that one. And was like, what's Ian Locker doing up there? And you just proved, you, you, you wanted to prove you could still do it. But let's go back to the, the Kawasaki start. How did this all come about? You're getting help from Kawasaki direct. Well, before that, um, in 1991, I actually, uh, after my uh, 250 win in, in 1990, mm. um, so nobody, uh, it's just the, 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 all, the, all the riders, all the manufacturers have their own riders that are um, going to ride. So I approached Kawasaki through the help of my sponsor, then John Whedon, mm. and um, we, we spoke to Colin Wright, and um, he said, yeah, okay, we'll give you John Reynolds' bike, uh, two bikes, four mechanics, I couldn't believe it. I thought this is a dream come true. Unfortunately, Kawasaki withdrew the entry oh. before the end of practice week. Before it, it just at those days they weren't handling very good, and they couldn't. Mm -hmm. We could We just couldn't solve it. Mm -hmm. And um, and that was a real detuner, you know, after such a good year the year before, and then into '91. And I sat on the head watching Foggy and Hissy um, going around on the RBF. So mm. um, that was a Balaspur or someone, I think I was sat in the hedge. So, uh, yeah, that was a real disappointment. But, yeah, going back to the, yeah, going onwards then to um, 2010, yeah, Kawasaki approached us about running their Superstock squad on, in, the, in the BSB for them. And um, we had, uh, of course, I was still riding myself, um, but we had um, Connor, Connor Cummins, ride for us, and a young, young rider in, in the, the Superstock 1000. In six, uh, Super Dock 600, we had uh, David Pierce from the Alamo. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, two, you know, sort of young riders. And, uh, unfortunately, Connor had a couple of faults before we went to the Alamo. And then, of course, he had his terrible accident on the Makadu Kawasaki, mm -hmm. uh, going around the veranda and, and broke his back. So he was unable to continue with us. Um, we had Simon Andrews join us then for one round. And then after that, Victor Cox joined us. So, um, you know, obviously with, with David Pierce on the 600. So, Interesting, isn't it? When you think about getting involved with the big manufacturer, you've ridden, <clears throat> you've ridden for all, you've ridden for Honda, et cetera, you know, and, and everything. And their approach, the Japanese, as you know, being married to one, 
is very methodical to everything. And what about the contract negotiations? What was that like? Was that just the UK branch of Kawasaki, or did you deal with the head honchos over there in Japan? No, it was just uh, just Kawasaki UK. Yeah, okay. yeah. There was there was no involvement. Um, obviously, Asa and I weren't together then anyway. But mm. um, yeah, yeah, no. I bet your Japanese has come on a bit since you got married to Asa anyway. Yeah, <laughs> it does, but not enough. I should be much better than I am, really, especially with this uh, lockdown at the moment. I should be flying, but um, it's when it, all I actually find is um, when we actually go to Japan in the wintertime, um, when you're there for like a period of six weeks or whatever, you tend to pick it up a lot better when you're actually trying to listen in conversations and things, you know, that can pick quite 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 good but when you come home you, you tend to we, we speak a, a little bit japanese in our in the house but not not so much as when you're surrounded by a lot of other people you've got some very interesting trophies just behind you on the, on, on behind your head there i mean um, that's a bit of history back there isn't it and uh, which one of them on that shelf gives you the most the most pride uh i guess the 1990 Junior, it was called then, Junior 250, mm. Steve Islop, and they had that great race um, on the 250s. Um, we both broke lap record by, I think I was 38 seconds, we broke lap record overall, and Steve was 35 points on it. Um, so, yeah, it, it was <laughs> it was unbelievable. And you think, like, we, we almost did 118 mile an hour, and the lap record was only 121. So that would be like, I don't know, the 600s these days doing 133 mile an hour or something. It's crackers. So, uh, yeah, I couldn't believe it. And then, yeah, but that, that gives me the most, um, um, the most fulfillment, I guess. You know, although there have been some other rides where you perhaps, perhaps not have won, you know, but you've felt that you've ridden, you know, you've given your 110%. And uh, those are, you know, interesting rides. Does it still give you the satisfaction that you want getting all this together every year, getting bikes together, doing this, doing that? I know you're not doing as much as what you were, but does it still give you a buzz in the winter months, getting it all prepped? Uh, not so much as it did, no. No, no, as you get older, you start to wane down a bit. But, yeah, I still enjoy, you know, preparing bikes and things. You know, it doesn't like I have a team behind me that's mm. not doing it all, but um, I still enjoy working on bikes and doing bikes. It's been, it's been my whole life, you know, and... Um, from the moment I started in 1982, right through to now, um, and, and still be able to ride and, you know, be sort of um, semi-competitive anyway. Um, um, it's not, you know, it's it's quite uh, it's quite nice, and it's quite nice if you have a rider as well and joins the team, and you can think what they're feeling. You know, if they say the bike's doing this at this certain corner, whether it be in the Alaman or, you know, on the British Championships, um, you can sort of feel yeah i know myself roughly what that corner at alton park is like etc there are some bumps here and so it's it's still quite nice to it, it makes it easier then for me you know for them to give me the information for me to try and help them you know it's not too bad you just mentioned a corner at alton park i mean to be given the privilege of having two corners named after you on two different circuits that i know of anyway you've got obviously uh Bador lockers at um uh, at the Ulster Grand Prix and of course around Oliver's Mount which we're hoping to get going again this year with, with the guys that have, that have turned that all around that must be quite a nice honour I know you, all your wins and everything at TT and Max Grand Prix and all mm. around but that's that's a nice honour isn't it it really is yeah yeah I, I couldn't believe it you know um, you know with both situations Scarborough and the Ulster mm. um, and it really is an honour because 
I, I always say this, it sounds bad, but you normally have to be deceased before you actually get a corner. So you never mm. actually get to see it. So it's it's very nice to, you know, to, yeah. And, and to, to still be like the Ulster, to still be riding around there and Scarborough, like, you know, um, to go around sort of your own name corner is, it's really is, yeah, sometimes you've got to pinch yourself and you think, is this me, you know? This, this is cool. um, tractor mechanic who started off in Wales all those years ago and worked my ass off in those days, you know, um, as, you know, as guys do and what you have to do and, you know, sleeping in the back of vans and underneath vans and you name it, underneath the bikes and, you know, you really put your heart and soul into it. And to look back then and see those times, it's really, it's really nice, you know? When it's all hung up and the leathers are done and you're going to, I don't know, get your flask, your race guide, you're just going to go and sit at, uh, I don't know, sit at the end of Cronkavody straight and watch. I mean, is that going to be a time for Ian Locker? Because as you quite rightly say, 1983 was a long time ago. We're all getting old and we can't stop that, can we? Yeah, I know. When is it now? 38, 13. This would have been my 39th season, I think. Wow. You know, okay, I'm not doing so much anymore, but I still do. I've got to do the compulsory six races, mm. six meetings. <clears throat> a year you know the classic tt was i'm not doing the tt anymore um that is definitely a definite um this would have been you know the end you know i wouldn't have been doing the tt this year if it had gone but i always said i'll, I'll do the classic tt and mm -hmm. um you know to do that once you have to do your six races so um but yeah you know like i don't know um as far as just sitting in the head and hedge and watching, I, I quite like it because you can actually see different people's lines and, you know, you can sort of learn a lot as well from yourself, you know. Are you still learning, even at your young age? You absolutely, yeah. You never stop learning, you know, and that's, I think, that's how maybe I've enjoyed still riding. It's not thinking that you know it all or, you know, you can... Um, like with the TT course, for instance, it's it's continually changing and you have to really have an open mind to it all the time, you know. You know, years ago I heard people say, oh, you know, I know the TT course now, I've done this speed or I've done that. But you come back the following year, you know, and there have been a lot of trucks going down a road and mm. there are ripples that you that weren't there, you know, um, the year before. And, and uh, you have to keep your mind open to that. And uh, that's what really makes it interesting, I think, you know little bit different to a short circuit where it's more or less going to stay the same for quite a few years before you get mm -hmm. you know, until they resurface it but that's that's the same as any road circuit well listen ian we hope you stay safe uh, while all this is going on and well we hope to see you on a on a motorbike at some point maybe this year but i'm, I'm hopefully fingers crossed if everyone can stay safe uh, to be for next year so ian my first guest on the mountain memory show here on virtual manx radio tt thank you very much for your time and all the best to you and your good lady. Take care. Thank you very much. And I wish everybody else um, um, all the best and uh, stay safe.